This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. Good morning. It's lovely to actually come and share with you. Um, as I say, I've been here just about three years, two of which COVID has eaten up. So, but it just feels now like I'm I'm getting properly established. Um, the reading today is long, um, so please bear with me. It just as important, I think, to set the scene. And so it's Judges 4 and 5. After Ehud died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth, Hagoyim, because he had 900 iron chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. She sent to Barak, son of Abiyoram, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Very well, Deborah said, I will go with you. But because of the way you are going about this, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, where he summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men followed him. And Deborah also went with him. Now Heba the Kenite had left the other Kenites, the descendant of Hoab, Moses' brother-in-law, and had pitched his tent by the great tree at Zaranam near Kadesh. Strange little insert there. Pay attention to that, though, because it's important. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to the Mount Tabor, Sisera gathered together his 900 iron chariots and all the men with him from Harosheth, Hagoim, to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down to the Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and the army by the sword, and Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harasheth Hagoim. All the troops of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, however, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heba the Kenite, because they were on friendly relations between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the clan of Heba the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent, and she put a covering over him. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me water to drink. 
She opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone here, say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera, and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her, and there lay Sisera, with a tent peg through his temple, dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, the Canaanite king, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, the Canaanite king, until they destroyed him. I'm going to stop there and then go on to the song in a minute, or several minutes. I entitled this talk, The Power of Participating in the Prophetic. And hopefully as we go along, that'll become clear. Just reading before what I've just read to you, Ehud said, now Ehud was judge two before Deborah, Ehud said, follow me, for the Lord has given Moab your enemy into your hands. That day Moab was made subject to Israel and the land had peace for 80 years. But Ehud died. And here comes the familiar refrain throughout Judges. The Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord gave them over to another oppressor, Jabin, king of Canaan. And he, along with his commander Sisera, had been oppressing Israel for 20 years. Enter Deborah. And Deborah was by this time when we're reading an established judge in Israel. So why would I choose to speak about Deborah? She's given a chapter and a song. And that's all we know about her. But it's really interesting what is said about her. So if we're looking at the chapter we've just read, the reason I've chosen her is because she's really unusual. In a strongly patriarchal society, we have a woman leading an entire nation. How did that happen? (laughs) But she's also unusual because she's a prophet. And it didn't seem that there was much um, seeking God's will at the time. People were crying out to him, yet they didn't really... I don't think, expect an answer. They were doing their own thing. Or in Bible language, everyone was doing right in their own eyes. And so what, what happened is that Deborah has established herself as leader and as prophet, and people are coming to her to settle their disputes. But one of the questions that I was asked to cover is why Deborah, for me, what impact has she had on the story of my life? Well, I was really directed to her in 2000 when I was in Zimbabwe still and following the referendum that literally changed the lives of everybody in Zimbabwe. An Anglican priest was given a prophetic word saying that God was going to raise up Deborahs to lead the people. 
And that was in 2000. In 2001, I took up the challenge of pastoring a church for the first time. So that word for me really just confirmed what I believed God was telling me to do. And it changed my world. So Deborah is significant for me just because of who she was and what that meant in my life and and where I am today as well. So when we look at her, how come she was leading an entire nation? And one can only assume that it was the evident gifting that people saw and the calling that clearly God had put on her that brought Deborah to a place of honor and respect in spite of being a woman. And very often our gifting and our calling, we, we struggle with it. We go, no, surely God, not, not me. Why would you choose me? But our gifting and our calling will likewise make a way for us. That if God tells us what he wants us to do and we trust him, that he has truly called and gifted us for something, then we will actually move into what God has for us. We'll start to participate in the prophetic, the prophetic being God's word to us. Sometimes a future word, sometimes this is where we are right now. This is what God is saying to us right now and how we should respond. In Romans 12, 6, Paul talks about Whatever our gifting, we should do it to the degree that we have faith. And he actually says that, prophesy to the degree that you have faith. Speak on God's behalf, act on God's behalf to the degree of your faith. So here we see that this is what Deborah's doing. She's a leader. She's known to handle disputes wisely. And the Israelites have placed their confidence in her. They do come to her for justice at the court held by the palm of Deborah. And that's unusual because I've already said that the common theme is that everyone did what was right in their own eyes at the time. But not only does Deborah listen to the people, but she listens to God and she acts on his direction. It is she who summons Barak. It's not he who comes looking for a fight. Because even Israel's military leaders are totally cowed by the enemy. The Canaanites with their 900 iron chariots. They're too scary. They're too big for us to even stand against. But Deborah doesn't say so. No, so is this ignorance that she is only a woman who doesn't understand the mechanics of war. She doesn't understand that 900 chariots are very scary. Or maybe she's just really optimistic. Everything will be lovely. It'll be fine. I don't think it's either. I think that Deborah knew who was talking. And because of that, she was summoning Barak and saying, get up, do something about this. Now is the time to take a stand. Call up your army of 10,000 men. Bring them in from Naphtali and Zebulun. This is Barak's part. But then Deborah goes on to say more, and she says that God tells him what part God will play. 
And God says, I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and I will give him into your hands. 900 chariots plus loads and loads of men, 10,000 of them. How far do you trust the prophetic? When somebody says, this is what I think God is saying, do you go, hmm, okay. So he says, I will go, which sounds full of faith. But the bit before that is, only if you go with me. I'm not going on my own. And how often is it that we base our faith on another person's faith rather than trusting God for ourselves? Now, Deborah is full of faith. She's heard from the Lord. She knows she's heard from the Lord. And what she does is she immediately responds. It's surprising and it's stunning. She just says, I will go. Which is interesting because Jabin sends Sisera. The king of the Canaanites doesn't go. But the leader of Israel says, I will go. I will come with you because I trust what God has said to me. Now, Deborah's response is, is what takes them into doing what God has said. And perhaps God had already told her that he would hand Sisera over to a woman. And if you've read this maybe for the first time, you go, oh, so she's going to claim the, gl- the glory for this. And I think that Barak probably thought that that was what was going to happen. But he thought it was also a good trade-off because he would have the leader and the prophet of Israel coming into battle with him. A good situation to have that God part covered because clearly he wasn't hearing very well from God himself. It was Deborah who initiated this because God had initiated this. Matthew Henry in his commentary writes this about Deborah. Her name signifies a bee. And she answered her name by her industry, sagacity, and her great usefulness to the public, her sweetness to her friends, and her sharpness to her enemies. Or perhaps we can use a more modern illusion. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Does that ring a bell? Cassius Clay said it before he was Muhammad Ali. So Sisera hears that Israel is mobilizing, and he springs into action, gathers his chariots and army, and meets them at the Kishon River, just where God wants him. It's interesting that it is the very act of Israel drawing together an army that puts Sisera exactly where God wants him. And Deborah then tells Barak, this is it. God has done what he promised. Now, you go and do your part. Go this day that the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. The fulfillment of the prophetic motivates faith. And so on that, Barak goes down from the mountain to meet and encounter Sisera. But this is what God says. He says, has not the Lord gone ahead of you? And I want to go back to that important little verse that I had said you needed to pay attention to. It's just slotted in. It doesn't seem to have anything to do with anything else. But it has everything to do 
with what comes next. This is the day that the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? Even when God does his part, he expects us to be engaged in whatever he has given us to do. And more than either of them could know, when we, when we hear that the Lord has gone ahead, he has moved a family to a specific spot for a specific time. And so as Sisera runs away, that the 900 chariots that he has put his faith in, the chariot that's supposed to protect and be his war horse effectively, he gets down off and runs in the opposite direction. And so moves his flight path right into the way of jail. And jail is there waiting for him. He thinks that he is going to the tent of an ally. But this family has already chosen sides and is not his. So Jael, a shrewd and courageous woman, is God's chosen woman to set Israel free. And you and I probably don't like the idea of the violence of all of that. But as we move on to the song of Deborah, what happens is that we get the backstory as well as what comes next. And it's quite significant when we read that. So I'm going to go to the song Reading from chapter 5, verse 1. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hear this, you kings. Listen, you rulers. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing. I will make music to the Lord, the God of Israel. O Lord, when you went out from Seir, When you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the roads were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths. Village life in Israel ceased, ceased until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. When they chose new gods, war came to the city gates, and not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You who ride on white donkeys... Sitting on your saddle blankets, and you who walk along the road, consider the voice of the singers at the water places. They recite the righteous acts of the Lord, the righteous acts of his warriors in Israel. Then the people of the Lord went down to the city gates. Wake up, wake up, Deborah, wake up, wake up, break out in song. Arise, O Barak, take captive your captives, O son of Abinoam. That's another verse I want to come back to. Then the men who were left came down to the nobles, the people of the Lord, came to me with the mighty. Some came from Ephraim, whose roots were in Amalek, 
Benjamin was with the people who followed you. From Maker, captains came down. From Zebulun, those who bear a commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah. Yes, Issachar was with Barak, rushing after him into the valley. In the district of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Why did you stay by the campfires? To hear the whistling for the flocks? In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Gilead stayed behind, beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he linger by the ships? Asher remained on the coast and stayed in his coves. The people of Zebulun risked their very lives. So did Naphtali on the heights of the field. Kings came, they fought. The kings of Canaan fought at Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. But they carried off no silver, no plunder. From the heavens, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The river Kishon swept them away. The age-old river, the river Kishon, march on my soul, be strong. Then thundering the horse's hooves, galloping, galloping, go his mighty steeds. Curse Meroz, said the, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its people bitterly, because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, most blessed of tent-dwelling women. He asked for water, she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for nobles, she brought him curdled milk. Her hand reached for the tent peg, her right hand from the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera, she crushed his head, she shattered and pierced his temple. At her feet he sank, he fell, there he lay. At her feet he sank, he fell, and where he sank, he fell dead. Through the window peered Sisera's mother. Behind the lattice she cried out, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why is the clatter of his chariots delayed? The wisest of her ladies answers her. Indeed, she keeps saying to herself, Are not they finding and dividing the spoils? A girl or two for each man. Colorful garments as plunder for Sisera. Colorful garments embroidered, high embroidered garments for my neck. All this as plunder. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord. But may they who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. Then the land had peace for 40 years. So in the story here, we have, in the song, we have a backstory. We actually learn much more about what's been going on. She starts, Deborah, with the success. When princes in Israel take the lead, when people voluntarily offer themselves, praise the Lord, things happen. It takes people to respond, to actually take up the struggle for things to change. And we get a little bit of the history. In the days of Shamgar, who came after Ehud, in the days of Jael, Jael was living through the hardship. Life was hard. Village life in Israel had ceased. They couldn't do what they normally would want to do because of the enemy being so close at hand, because of the violence and the hardship that the Canaanites brought on the nation of Israel. Jael had good reason to be Sisera's enemy. She had lived through what he had done to Israel. But why did that happen to Israel? What had brought the Israelites to this point 
we know that God told, told them, stop it. They kept going to other gods. And these were easier gods that did not require holiness, did not require accountability, but they were also incapable of rescuing. In fact, earlier on in Judges, God specifically challenges the Israelites and says to them, why are you crying out to me? Go to your other gods. See if they'll rescue you. But he heard after 20 years, the fi- finally the Israelites came to him. Finally, they turned back and they said, have mercy. And then we're told, then Deborah arose. The people came to her and said, wake up, Deborah. Wake up. Is God saying the same to us? Wake up. Prophesy. Come and use your gifting for the good of the kingdom. Arise, Barak. Join the battle. Don't just sit at the gates and go, it's horrible here. Arise, Barak. Then I did point you to this one. Take captives. And if you look at scripture, it doesn't say take captives, the captives. It actually says take captive your captives. Already ordained. We know that in the New Testament we are told that we, God already has prepared good works for us to do. He has already prepared the gifting and the calling that he has for each of us. And so when we hear this, take captive your captives. I do believe that what was being said then and what God would say to us now is that there are certain things, there are certain enemies that are ours to conquer. Our enemies that become our captives when we stand against them. War had come to the city gates and not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. There was no courage, no bravery, whether physical or spiritual, no will to engage the enemy or to fight for their very existence until Deborah prophesied God's word to the people and then the princes and the volunteers responded and bought and brought victory and freedom and peace to their nation. And so there it is, that thing that is the title of this talk, the power of participating in the prophetic. When God speaks and we believe and we act on what he is telling us, then there is victory and freedom. And Jesus, we know, is that ultimate prince of freedom, prince of peace, the one who's brought victory for all time for the people in the kingdom. And Deborah rejoices. She calls herself a mother, a mother in Israel, and she rejoices. This is how she views herself, that she is not just a prophet. She is not just a leader. She's not even a military woman, but she is a mother to Israel. And mothers sometimes stroke and comfort, and other times mothers say, get, your, get a grip, get your act together, do what you're supposed to do. And so that was also her, her role. So what was the result? You who ride on white donkeys, sitting on saddle blankets, and you who walk along the road, know that this is normal village life, that you got it back because people were prepared to fight for it. 
that actually we don't, we must remind ourselves and not forget how freedom has been bought for us. What Jesus did for us to buy our peace. Don't forget that it was very, very costly for him to do that. But we hear from the song that not all were willing to pay the price. And Deborah's prophecy against those who did not come when called is a very strong indictment. So what is the future? For those like Jael, there's a memorial. We know that this woman was the woman that God chose to deliver Israel that day. But there's another future. Sisera's mother waits in vain. Those who set themselves up against the Lord will be devastated. And then finally, Deborah's song, as it comes to a conclusion, it's the hallelujah. Deborah's song turns to the Lord who has once again orchestrated Israel's deliverance. Unless the Lord had preserved a remnant of Israel, Jesus would not have come to redeem us or to redeem the world or them. That remnant of Israel where God again and again has mercy. And it's interesting, grace is a gift that we don't deserve. Mercy is withholding punishment that we do deserve. And we might go, no, we're in the kingdom. We're in the New Testament. So God's not talking to us. Would you say that it would be a, a good statement or a true statement that here and now in 2022, everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes? Yeah. And so I am sure that there were people in Israel who did not bow the knee to any other God who really wanted to serve God and do the best. But because the nation as a whole was corrupt, everybody was suffering. How does that relate to us today? It says at the end that Israel had peace for 40 years. Deborah became a judge in a time of apathy and fear, but she led Israel into a long period of of peace and prosperity. And so we have a judge who actually, if you look through the rest of judges, a lot of the judges had very clay feet. They did wonderful things, but they weren't squeaky clean themselves. Whereas what we read of Deborah is that she fulfilled her calling and everything that she was supposed to do, and she never fell into disrepute. She is the servant and prophet of the Lord. She is leader of the people, mother of Israel, an example of hope and faith and wisdom. She's a woman who woke up and stepped into her calling. So I've got some challenges today as we, as we come into a place of ministry of, of saying, how does this relate to me? Does it relate to me? But I'd like you to stand and as we, as we look at these questions, is just to ask God, are you speaking to me? So if you'd like to stand up and just be listening. Deborah was a woman who listened to God and then acted on what God was saying. So, is God calling me 
you to awake? Is he urging you to arise and join the battle? Is he saying to you, step into your calling? And is he saying to you, take captive your captives? What are the things that have been holding you back? What are the things that are enemies in your face? God is saying, take captives, your captives. And we get again that echo from Scripture in the New Testament that God has given us the ability to tear down strongholds and to take captive every thought to Christ. Everything that is bugging you, that is standing against you, that is disconcerting you, that is distracting you. Take captive your captives so that when you hear God's word, you'll respond to it rightly. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you and we want to ask that you would speak to each one of us. Some of us need to be woken up. Some of us are awake, but we are not entering into the battle. We're standing at the side and just not even sure that we could take a stand. And some of us have have heard you, Lord. We know that you have called us. We know that there are things that you have said you want us to do. And just like with Barak, if he had not summoned his army, Sisera would never have organized his army and been at the Kishon River to be defeated. Sometimes we need to take that first step, Lord. And Father, whatever is standing in our way, we want to take captive those captives today. So Holy Spirit, come. Whatever it is that you're saying to each of us, will you just touch